Infirmary Media. In decades, the Matrix and Blade versus Bloodsport and Renegade. Strap on that cap, bust out the power glove. Come fight for what you love. Who coach your popping pins, dropping hand grenades? Van Halen locked in Mortal Kombat with David Gray. Found out ballet and sick. I am made of GNR. Come fight for what you love. Broadcasting from the Infirmary Media Studios, it's the adult only retro game show where the 80s and 90s do battle because it's your history. We just fight for it. Welcome back to Dueling Decades. Let's meet this week's duelers and the decades they will be fighting for. First off, dueling with sports movies of 1981. He is the current Dueling Decades champion, Man Crush. What's up? I'm here. Am I putting the belt on the line again to you? You are. Oh, jeez. Absolutely, man. <laughs> You're looking for a freebie here. I think I, I destroyed you like three times in a row. Uh, but you know what's weird? Last week was the first episode that I've missed in like five years. Yeah. It feels like I've been gone for like two years. <laughs> so I don't even know what's going on right now. And for this sports film fight, I, Mark James, will finally get my rematch and another shot at the title, which we've already discussed, as I step up to bat with the sports films of 1993. And as always here on our show, we need someone to adjudicate all of this awesomeness. So let me introduce to you tonight's special guest judge. He is the rocker best known the world over for his classic hit songs, No Easy Way Out. Angel in the City, and now, better than the rest, the title track from his new hit album, Duelers and Dudettes. Please rise and welcome Judge Robert Tepper. Hey guys, here I am. <laughs> I'm sitting in the ring right here and uh, can't wait to judge this thing. It sounds like it's very contentious. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, the following contest will be held under Dueling Decades rules. The judges' coin flip shall decide who picks first out of the five dueling decades categories. Movies, television, music, news, and hot products. A judge's ruling will determine who wins each round, allowing the victor to choose the next available category. The first three rounds are worth one point each, with rounds four and five worth two points apiece. And the winning decade shall be decided by the highest overall score after all five rounds. Duelers, feel the rhythm, feel the rhyme, get on up. It's Dueling Decades time. Oh, that's new. I like it. I like it. I like it. So we're going to flip that coin. Do you need me to flip flip my new CD? I'm a shameless promoter, so don't worry about it. I have no problem. (laughs) All right, Mark, since you're the loser a lot, (laughs) <laughs> you get to pick. All right. I got to go with side A, man. Side A. Okay. What do you think? He's flipping a cassette tape, dude. <laughs> He's flipping a CD or something. I'm, I'm going old school. I'm using a CD. Oh, my God. Here we go. <laughs> oh, geez. <laughs> You're lucky I'm not running into the old vinyl. Here we go. It is. <laughs> oh, hold it. We got to flip. So who's going to call it? You got to call it in the air. Uh, I'm going to call heads. All right. Tails, I'm so sorry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Robert, before we get started here, I just I, I got a couple questions. We want to talk about you real quick before okay. we get started. I, I need to clear this up Go. because I've heard you say, like, back in the day, 
you were talking about No Easy Way Out, mm-hmm. and you said it was written for Rocky Four. And then I saw a clip of you playing live, and you said that it was it was basically written for something different. And the people around Rocky Four kind of forced you into saying that No Easy Way Out was okay. for it. Like, what's the story? For- forced is such a strong word, but <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> So, so here's exactly what happened. I was, you know, I was, I'm this young kid from Bayonne, New Jersey. I get my first record deal. Um, I get signed by Scotty Brothers. And I'm making my record uh, in, in L.A. And I'm out here making my record. And Stallone had some kind of relationship with Scotty Brothers. And Scotty Brothers, and I wasn't in on this meeting, but they sat down and they played him some of the stuff that I was working on. He hears No Easy Way Out and goes crazy, and he loves it. But was it, my contention was, and, and, and it, wasn't a bad, it wasn't a bad thing, because here I am getting hooked on to like one of the greatest franchises in the world. He loved it. He he uses it in Rocky Four. He takes it all the way down to the fade. But did he say, hey, Robert, this is Stallone. Would you write me a song? You know, no, that didn't happen. The song existed. He keyed in on it. He saw. He, he must have seen the visuals in his head. And the rest is uh, R&R history. That's, that's, <laughs> wow. It is an interesting story. That's why I figured I'd ask it. So what... What is the story behind the song then? Since it wasn't the really story, written the for story the behind the song is it's it's the lyric is all about. I, I was just answering this question for somebody. They said, "What's the lyric about? Why is it lasting so long?" I said, "A, it's about my first divorce, and don't ask me how many, but it's about my first divorce, <laughs> and 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 the breakup of my marriage." But what people hooked into was was that the lyric was about overcoming adversity. You know that this was not it was not going to be an easy thing it's like when relationships go bad when things go bad and people looked at this song like okay the universal question how are we going to do this man how are we going to do well we're going to keep on fighting we're going to keep on going we're going to try to create a life even though all the odds are against us and that is the universal struggle and uh, there we are that's why people keep loving that lyric you know it's it's amazing. And there's two different sides to this song, I think, because you have the the plugged in side. Right. When you you like the one in the movie and yeah. everything, the one we see in the video. Right. And then you have the acoustic side, yes. which I think is extremely powerful and raw. Which one do you prefer? You know, it's so funny because my friend Seth came down and nobody was filming that night. And I was producing a guy, uh, and he said, why don't you come down and open up and play about, you know, play some songs. So I did like, I don't know, 45 minutes an hour, and I started playing it, and he ran his camera, and that was maybe one of the earliest times I did it as an acoustic song, you know, and and I do write a lot of acoustic music. I mean, that's a big part of who I am. I love, you know, I have, I did this song called, I did this record called New Life Story, you know, a bunch of years ago, which was basically an acoustic driven record, you know, and I still still write a lot of acoustic music. And but that performance of the song kind of caught on with people. We got a lot of views on that. Kind of crazy. Yeah, it's dude, the emotion in that song. And it, like you could see when you do it acoustic compared to the video. I mean, both of them, it seems like you're triggered from something like right. something is yeah. definitely driving you, you know? Absolutely. Do you still get that, that trigger when you're doing the song live now? Here's the thing with me, you know, um, if you said, Hey, Robert, I got a song for you. I want you to sing it. And it's going to sound a little egotistical. And I probably sing the song and go, Oh, really good job. Go home. Let me get another singer. Everything, 
part of my nature is, you know, I'm emotionally, I have to be emotionally invested in the song. And for no easy way out, you have to remember, to me, it's, it's, it's still a very emotional song for me. You know, many of the songs, I, I approach lyrics, I approach my performances like that. And, you know, I, I can't sing any other way. I sometimes wish I could, but I can't. That's that's how it goes. No, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. And it comes across. Thank you, man. Thank you so much. Robert, you just told us that No Easy Way Out was about your first divorce. Yes. Please don't tell me that Better Than the Rest is about your current divorce. She took everything <laughs> but the blame. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. What about um? you got hooked up with Stallone yes. through Scotty Brothers? Yes. And then, of course, you did Angel of the City for Cobra. Was that strictly for Cobra, or did you? Was that something you had written as well? No, it was the same thing. It was, you know, Stallone obviously liked me as an artist. I mean, when we went to the opening of No Easy Way Out, we were sitting with, you know, there I am with uh, his wife, you know, his his soon to be divorced wife, and Rob Lowe and me. And you got to remember, I'm like really green, you know. I'm just off the boat from New Jersey, and here I am hanging out with all these people. And he's pointing. He goes, "You're next. You're next. You're next." And I said, wow, wow, wow. And the easy way out does this thing. And it's, it's kind of magical, right? Here I am. I'm involved with this franchise. Then he, he, he wants to do the same thing with Cobra. But what no one realizes, I have this vivid picture of me crossing, I'm not going to say Times Square, but maybe five blocks up, right? Coming out of, the, coming out of seeing Cobra. And people love the movie. It came out. They liked Stallone. I mean, it came out pretty, I, I, not that long after. And he tried to do the same thing, you know, He and the elements weren't there. So what happens to Angel of the City is the formula doesn't work as well the second time, but it becomes kind of a culty movie because people fall in love with Stallone and they'll watch anything he does, right? And so people know that song. I mean, God forbid I leave Angel of the City out of a show or out of a concert. People are like, hey, man what the fuck's up with that? You know, what are you doing? You know, not going to play Angel of the City. But none of that stuff was written for the movies, which kind of hurt me in the long run because they wouldn't even let me release my record until all the singles came off of Rocky Four, right? Uh, so the blessing wow. was, the blessing was, hey, you're, you're in a Stallone franchise that maybe will feed my kids' kids, you know? The, the bad news was, is by the time my record started to get promoted, and any attention got paid to it. It was, it was, you know, nobody was interested, you know. So, yeah. sad story. Everybody, cheer up. I'm okay. <laughs> hey, you sound, like you, you sound like you're doing fine. I'm um, doing fine. Were there? And this is a question too. We have uh, Bo B. Craft comes on the show sometimes, and he asked this question. And it was something that I was going to ask you anyway, and I thought it was perfect. Okay. Were there any other songs you did that kind of like fell through the cracks for any other movies? that we might have been like, oh, shit, that would have been great in there, but it just didn't happen. Well, um, as recently, I thought Better Than the Rest would have been great for the new Creed. And I tried to yeah. get it to him. Yeah. I mean, but <clears throat> but it was they 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 were only going to use um, R&B music. I'm pretty sure it was all rap and R&B. It was. I thought even, even if they used it as a promo, I thought it would be really good. It was Drago's Kids. That kind of hurt a little bit. You know, they didn't turn it down. I just, I was kind of told, like, don't even bother. You know, don't even bother. So, oh, that's you know, that how great cool. would that song be? If, I think they would have gotten, a, I mean, with 30 million plus views of No Easy Way Out, 
that's a nice group of people to try to appeal to, you know what I mean? For a new movie. And not that they needed me in any way, shape or, or cool form, but I think it would have been a nice touch and a, and a kind of nice nod, you know? Yeah. It's a nice tie back, yeah. especially to Rocky four. And then my kids would have been smoking better pot than they're smoking today. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this is an interesting tidbit that I picked up about you. And I feel like this with myself as well. It, like, mm-hmm. it seems like, and it, it not even seems like I heard you say this, you're constantly like reinventing yourself, it seems. Well, what I'm so proud of, of this new record, uh, they always say, oh man, you got to have a producer. You can't do it all yourself. I mean, Pablo and I, Pablo Padilla, the guitar player, we did this whole freaking record, our fucking record ourselves. You know, we I recorded it, I mixed it, he played guitars, I sang it. You know, I mean, we did everything. I played bass on it, I did all the vocals. You know, part of that is what, you know, what thrills me, I wear a lot of hats. Now, you got to remember, I've got five boys spanning three wives, a lot of generations. One of the advantages of this, is, which is not financial, is that I get to hear the music of every, what's going on, you know, my 19-year-old, I've been to no less than like four or five shows with him in the last six months, you know? So I get turned on to all this cool stuff because of him and I may have one more kid and no, I don't have it in me, but if I did, (laughs) it's, it's kind of cool. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, um, I do wear a lot of hats. I like a lot of different kinds of music. You know, I, I love doing what I do. I really do. I know it's corny and it's like straightforward, but, you know, you don't start at 13 and be 69 years old and basically be doing somewhat the same thing, but in a different way, you know. No, not at all. I don't, I don't think it's corny in the least. It's kind of like a, a couple of weeks back, we had Mr. Skin on, you know, Mr. Skin? Mr. Skin, though. It, Mr. Skin is this guy that he's got a website, MrSkin.com, and all his business a million dollar business. He's got this website where they find nudes in movies and they post the nude to his website. That's nice. his living. I might have run across it at some point in my, in my... <laughs> Check your browser history. It's Let me look there. at my history here. Oh, there's Mr. Skin. There, right. there he is. <laughs> but just like him, he loves what he does and you love what you do. It doesn't feel Absolutely. like work, right? It's just living. I want to hang out with Mr. Skin, though. That sounds like fun. That sounds like a really good time. <laughs> I'm not always so much fun. I mean, I'm having fun right now, but I'm not always that much fun. This That sounds like a lot of fun. That's pretty cool. Well, he's in Chicago, so you'd have to travel. All right. He travels a lot. We'll we'll try to hook something up if you okay. want to. We'll have a double judge uh, you know, episode where two judges start fighting about who is who who should win this thing i like it <laughs> mark and i did that once it's very hard to well, do i bet it was a it is hard. Fucking disaster, right? it, it was a good idea going in and then when we started we we're like what the oh, fuck? No. What, what do you think what do you think about this one <laughs> uh before we get started into this whole thing and you mentioned it a couple times you even flipped the cd tell us about the new album better than the rest it dropped september 27th like you mentioned earlier it's available on Spotify, and I'm sure it's streaming on every other relevant platform. Yeah, Apple Music, Amazon, uh, AOR Heaven is my label. Better Than the Rest was something that took a year to make. My friend Pablo Padilla goes, Roberto, see, si, Pablo, que paso, what are we doing? He goes, we should do an 80s record. I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never, I haven't done an a, a true AOR record in over 20 years. And because I was getting into engineering and producing and doing other things, but I always write. I love to write music. 
But Pablo, so Pablo starts coming over. We're writing songs. We're writing songs. It, you know, this is behind my house in my studio. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> we we get like four or five things, and, we, and he starts playing this better than the rest. Like, you know, we did like, I'm not going to say it's a demo. It's a little better than a demo. But we're, we're getting together, and, you know, I'm prolific as a writer. I could sit down. I mean, we're knocking out. He's playing me some music. I'm knocking out melodies, some lyrics, and like all in the same night. And we're looking at each other like, I don't know if this is going anywhere, but we're having a fucking great time, you know? And this is like, you know, the, the vibe is good, you know? And the music is kind of good and things things are going well. And so we get this better than the rest. He's playing it for people. And he's going, Roberto, people are flipping out over this song. They love this song. They think it's a great song. He goes, who's going to fucking care, Pablo? You know what I mean? I'm fucking 69 years old. Who gives a shit? I just keep doing what I do, you know? And he goes, no, 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 no. Let's just keep making. So we keep doing this record. We're getting together. The writing's fun. There's a label called Frontier who, um, th- there's not many places you can go with this kind of music, you know, like Toto and White Snake and, you know, and God bless him, Eddie Money. And, you know, there's a couple of places that play the AOR, adult oriented rock. I love, I don't know what that means, but yes, that's what this is called. That makes me feel old. Yeah. <laughs> So we're getting together with, with we're making this record and we go, we're kind of like, we're having such a good time. We go, what excited us about that period? What is something that you still hear in the influences of like, you know, rave and you're still hearing like dance music and you're hearing the synths and the guitars and you're going, people, everyone's, what's great about now is everybody's borrowing from everything, you know, from the history of music. You hear it, you know? And there's no real barriers and there's no real walls. I said, what would it be like if we made an AOR record like AOR never stopped? You know, people just kept making those records. And now it's 2019. What would a brand new AOR record sound like in 2019? And that was the question we kept going back to. So we were really careful about the reverbs, the, the, the delays, how the drum sounded, vocal placement. Those records sounded like movies. They they had big keyboards, huge guitars. I mean, directors. I mean, if you remember, and then I'll get off the soapbox. You can have it back. <laughs> all the directors of that time, not all of them, but a lot of them stole what was going on MTV as Sly did and made a video, right? Of right and put it right yep. in their movie. Here you go. Yep. Here's a song. You know, oh John Parr and Robert Tepper and Kenny Loggins, and Peter Gabriel, and all these people, you know, and, and those songs were so identified with the movies, and God bless it for me, I came up at that time, and I said, I want to make a very big-sounding, cinematic type of record, and that's what better than the rest, I hope we accomplished, and for what people have been writing about it, they've been getting it, which makes me, and thrills me to death, I am so Pablo and I are just thrilled right now, man. It's just really great. I, I 100% agree with that whole statement yeah. because when I listen to you, I listen to you on Spotify. Okay. And I just, I, I start from track, like from your most popular, obviously, No Easy Way Out. Sure. And I just let it go. You know, like it just plays, it shuffles it. And I cannot tell the difference when it, sh- when it shifted to anything from Better Than The Rest. I couldn't tell if it was old or new. Oh, wow. That is great. That is great. That was yeah, the whole and, and I had to go look. That's so great. That's a really nice compliment. Thank you. You succeeded there. 
<laughs> you well, definitely succeeded. The production on the new record was just dynamite. It really, like you said, it, it blended the, the old style with the newer production techniques just seamlessly, and it just had a nice crisp pop to it. Thank you, so. man. Because, you know, I just threw away 10 hours worth of mixes. We worked our ass. I worked my ass out <laughs> by this record, but, you know, it was, it was so worth it, and so did Pablo, man. We just, like, and, and it was so great. When we did sign with AOR Heaven, so I was telling you about Frontier. Frontier listened, and they're from Italy, and they go... You know, they're the kind of label, like, they're going to tell you who's going to produce it. They're going to tell you how much money they're going to spend. They're like, you know, you will, they said, ah, we don't really hear it at this time. You know, and AOR Heaven was like, you know, just keep us surprised, man. We're, we're on board. I played them better than the rest and maybe uh, a couple of others. I mean, Time Just This Time, which is, to me, one of the strongest songs on the record. I, I put on, you know, that was a demo. And they said, just keep us up. To, we're doing this. We're releasing this. And. So we did our own thing. Nobody bothered us. We mixed it. We I had uh, John Paterno mastered it. He did a great job. That's awesome, man. Whatever happens with it, and it's already it's already past my expectations. So many people have been contacting me. The reviews have been amazing. People are listening to it. People are getting it. And and now you're judging dueling decades. I yes. mean, what what more could you want? And and you know now I'm a dueling <laughs> decades, which is was the other thing that was. I, I hate this word. It was on my bucket list. It was on my fucking list. <laughs> hey, I got I got one listener question that they had emailed over to me. This is from a listener, Brian Moreno. Okay. He said, I used to have no easy way out on rotation on cassette tape mm-hmm. while working out for baseball in high school. Mm-hmm. Would you ever work out to your own song? Uh, I guess so, because I'm practicing for a show I got coming up in Germany. Plug, plug, plug in December 1st, the Heat Festival. So, you know, I, I'm very physical when I play. So I'm, I'm moving around in my studio and I'm singing the whole set and it's part of the set. So, yes, I would. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there shit, if you watch the No Easy Way Out video, you make me sweat right? watching that video. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> live, I'm still as crazy as ever live. I still can move okay on stage. I wouldn't do it otherwise. It's funny that you say that because I saw an American bandstand that you were on where yeah. uh, you're going ape shit, and <laughs> afterwards Dick Clark comes up to you <laughs> and he says, "I'll come back to you because you're just like I can't talk to you right now." <laughs> yeah. I know which one you're talking about. I know which one you're talking and about. The look on your face, you're like, "What?" <laughs> like I'm fine. It was weird. I was fine. You know. I probably just freaked him out a little bit, you know, because you're probably not supposed to move so much on TV, you know. That's funny. (laughs) All right, let's get into this. Uh, I won the coin toss. Uh, Let's see, where do I begin? Let's start with our shortest one, Mark. Let's go uh, Hot Products first. What do you say? All righty. Here we go. All right, Hot Products. Now, what we did for this one, we had a very niche thing here. Okay. sport movie hot products so you really had to go digging so mark and i came to the conclusion let's just find something that was released on video that year okay and for me it worked out well because 1981 this is where the home video market is hitting its stride it's it's going to its peak all this stuff's coming out so the first one i have is the release of caddyshack on vhs for the mere price uh, of forty seven ninety nine, which equates to one hundred and thirty six dollars wow. in twenty nineteen, pretty steep for a videotape. Mm-hmm. But a classic came out uh, the year prior, uh, so they actually kind of rushed that one out. Uh, and then the second one I have 
And this is something that I grew up on. It was released on a device that it started my whole love of movies. And that was the RCA disc, the CEDs. And it was Rocky coming out on CED CED. in 1980. Oh, wow. So I'm coming to bat hot products, Rocky on RCA disc. Okay. Caddyshack on VHS. What do you have, Mark? All right, well, let's take a trip to our video rental store, February 17th, 1993. Okay. Uh, Two sisters joined the first female professional baseball league and struggled to help it succeed amidst their own rowing rivalry in the Penny Marshall Classic, a league of their own. Mm Mm-hmm. February 13th, 93, you could stop into the store and finally rent that picture. Of course, A League of Their Own, one of the great sports films of all time. And then on April 14th, 1993, you could finally go to the store and rent the brand new Disney classic or purchase it for yourself, (laughs) The Mighty Ducks. So I come with The Mighty Ducks and A League of Their Own available at your local VHS retail vendor. Okay. Damn, that's pretty solid for 93. All right, order our judge, Robert Tepper, for the ruling for round one. Well, you're on a bus. I'm working for a guy named Benny Mardonis. We, we wrote a song into the night. We're on the bus. What movie do you think we're playing like it's fucking going out of style? You couldn't even walk into a room without quoting this thing for years and years to come. Caddyshack rules. Do you understand? Yes. You can't. Oh. I, I apologize, but the Mighty Ducks don't know, really, <laughs> okay? Don't even like hockey. Okay. <laughs> and what was it? Oh, man. I'm sorry to shoot you down so hard and cool, but come on. The state still has marks where the jockey was hitting it, right? Come on. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Man Crush, you take round one, and you have control of the board. What category would you like next, man? All right, so that was our truncated round. Let's get into a real one now. So that was, we went hot products. Let's go with new. Nah, nah, I don't even want to do that. Let's go with music. Okay. This is something he should know stuff about, so let's, 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 let's do music. All right, so April 1981, and I I tried not to double dip my picks too much if I could help it. Okay. Uh, but th- this one was too monumental to pass up, and it's going to come up again, I guarantee it. Uh, the album topped the Billboard Top 200 for four weeks in 1981. What? It was mm-hmm. certified platinum, including one single, which topped the Billboard Hot 100 for one week in May of 1982. <clears throat> the name mm-hmm. of the single was Titles. But it's more commonly referred to by its namesake, Chariots of Fire. Okay. Boom, 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 boom. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Right. It's uh, Chariots of Fire soundtrack, which came out April 1981. It's amazing to me that an instrumental song like this went all the way to number one on the mm-hmm. Billboard Hot 100. It blows my mind. Okay. It took the song about five months to get there. It debuted at number 94, but still it hit number one. It more appropriately it hit number one on the Billboard Adult Contemporary charts, mm-hmm. and it was the number one selling single in Japan for all of 1981. Holy wow. shit! <laughs> That's freaking amazing. Don't listen to any, but don't listen to anything. But go ahead. Yeah, I I guess. Uh, and you know what's okay. monumental about this song though, and just like you started to hum it, they still utilize this at sporting events all mm-hmm. over the world. Mm-hmm. You know, so even if you've never heard the song, I guarantee that you probably have, and you I just have. don't know it. You know? No, I know. So, Chariots of Fire, it it ran a long way. I, I get it. Okay, what what do you got for me? What's next? 
All right, second pick here. This one I had to dig a little bit deeper. October 1981. Okay. I, I have to preface this again by saying it's extremely hard to come across sports movies music as a category. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Mark's going to mm-hmm. fall into this as well. Uh, but it's a soundtrack to a movie called Body and Soul. It was a boxing movie about this dude who goes through all kinds of personal demons on his way to the top of the boxing business. And I actually watched it the other night. It's pretty good. It stars Leon Isaac Kennedy, who also wrote the movie. Does that sound mm-hmm. familiar? A boxing movie that's written and acted by the same guy? Uh, uh, yeah, of, <laughs> it sounds very familiar. Kind of the same premise. Anyways, it also starred uh, Muhammad Ali is in this, making his uh, acting debut in a movie. Wow. Uh, playing himself as a trainer. And then, okay. uh, you know, and Leon Isaac Kennedy's involved in a four-way in this movie. So there's that. <laughs> Anyhow, let's get to the soundtrack, though. I had to, I had to give a little bit about the movie because I'm sure nobody's seen it. Are you sure this was a boxing movie? <laughs> it is just like Rocky. <laughs> <laughs> he wishes. The soundtrack features a bunch of disco uh, and okay. also has With You, I'm Born Again by Billy Preston and Sarita. But that's oh, not why I picked it. I okay. picked it because the soundtrack also gives credit to the Miller Brewing Company because the Miller High Life theme is used in this movie. Which is? You've got the time. <laughs> We've got the beer. If you got the time, you got the beer. There's no easy. It's a big one. So all right. That's what I all got. Right. I got Body and Soul soundtrack and Chariots of Fire soundtrack. What do you have, Mark, for 93? All right. 93, you know, you take a look at sports movies music. Like you said, <laughs> that's a pretty tricky category. Is it? Is it really lean? Huh? It's really lean. It's lean. <laughs> it is lean. Luckily, in 1993, though, we got the great movie Cool Runnings. And the soundtracks was also released that year. Yes. John Candy. Yeah, John Candy was in that, you know, and it was absolutely inevitable that if we got a movie about the Jamaican bobsled team, we would have a reggae soundtrack. Yes. But what was really great about that is it was, they kind of put a spin on the reggae music. There was a lot of different covers on it. Uh, Diana King covers Bob Marley's Stir It Up. The Wailing Souls covered the Talking Heads' Wild Wild Life, and Jimmy Cliff got his first chart hit in 23 years Wow! with a cover of the 21-year-old song I Can See Clearly Now, originally done by Johnny Nash. I remember that. In my second selection, you know, you take a look at 90s sports films. One of my favorite was this movie about all of these high school football players on the final day of school. And they were really trying to prepare what they were going to do for next season, if they were going to play football for their team or not. In Dazed and Confused. Ooh. Their soundtrack released September 28th, 1993. Of course, this soundtrack is epic. It had Rick Derringer, Foghat, Alice Cooper, Black Ooh. Oak, Arkansas, ZZ Top, Ted Nugent, Leonard Skinner, Kiss, Deep Purple, Black Sabbath, and sold so well, they even released a second edition the following year. Can you name me some of the songs that came off of that? Sure, yeah. They had Rock and Roll, Hoochie Coo, Slow Ride was on there, School's Out, Jim Dandy, Tush, Love Hurts, Stranglehold, Cherry Bomb, Fox on the Run, Low Rider, Tuesday's Gone, Highway Star, Rock and Roll All Night, and of course, Paranoid. But did it have the Miller High Life theme song? 
it didn't. It didn't. They were going to put that on the second album as a bonus a, track, but it was a remix. It was a remix of the <laughs> right. <Bill of> it's <laughs> subliminal. So that's what I come with for sports, movies, music, the cool running soundtrack, and the soundtrack from Dazed and Confused. Great football movie. I, I got to give it to you because you, you, you took me over with Jimmy Cliff. You took me over with Rick Derringer, Rock and Roll, Hoochie Coo. I know probably Chariots of Fire had a bigger effect because there hadn't been a lot of, you know, instrumental music. and But the song was kind of boring, to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why you I know, picked it in the second round. Slow motion bullshit. As soon as I bomb, and then there was dirt flying in your face, and you were like, oh, "Okay, okay." And you know, but as far as music that moved your heart, I mean, you got to give a shout out to Jimmy Cliff any day of the week because Jimmy Cliff's doing stir it up. And we just showed that movie to my nine year olds, my my granddaughter Eva and Leo. My son, Leo, we just showed that movie to them about two months ago, and they loved it. Oh, wow. Okay. Nice. So I have a personal investment in that one. I'm going that way. All right, Man Crush. <laughs> the game is tied. One apiece, and I got control of the board. You know what? Let's go to television. Television. All right. And my first pick on CBS, 9 o'clock, October 15th, 1993. You could have sat down and watched The Man from Left Field. A made-for-television comedy drama starring Burt Reynolds and Reba McIntyre. Oh, my God. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. I need to do a shot of whiskey before I even hear the rest of this. Go ahead. I'm kidding. Well, People Magazine gave it a C- minus and mm-hmm. uh, gave the film two out of five stars. <laughs> So that's my first offering. Okay. <laughs> well, is this like a thing where you do you offer the shit and... And then the good part comes second. So it's so bad that the next one's going to look amazing. Is that, is that what right. <laughs> so we go from one television movie to the next. Luckily, this one was put out by HBO in 1993. Wow. HBO was around in 93. And we give you the Holly Hunter classic, the positively true adventures of the alleged Texas cheerleader murdering mom. Huh. From 1993, it's the true story of Wanda Holloway, who tries to hire a hitman to kill a cheerleader and her mother. <laughs> Yeah, I remember this being on HBO on repeat. I watched it a dozen times. Really fun film for Holly Hunter, but it's based on a true story. If you're into true crime, this is old school true crime, 93 right here. The positively true adventures of the alleged Texas cheerleader, murdering mom, and that uh, television Burt Reynolds baseball movie. Okay. (laughs) Man, you really brought it for this round, dude. Woo! The All heat. right, here we go. This is not a hard one. All right, March 1st, 1981. Uh, you know, ABC could not wait to put this into a three-hour TV movie. Mm-hmm. Almost a year to the date of winning a gold medal in hockey. It's the story of the 1980 men's Olympic hockey team, Miracle on Ice, with Steve Gutenberg, pre-Police Academy, of course. Uh, not to be confused with the 2004 movie Miracle, which is basically it's almost the same, except... That has more right. to do with the coach who than play, the team. Who played the coach in this one? Who played the coach uh, in this one? Not a big name at all. And the guy is okay. much older than uh, the coach should have been. Okay. Like, yeah, okay. but he did He did okay from what I remember of this movie. Uh, I actually <laughs> always feel bad for Finland in this whole thing 
because obviously <laughs> like all the talk is always about the United States beating the Soviet Union. It's classic underdog story. I know of a few people who think that that was the gold medal game and it wasn't. Spoiler if you didn't know that like they beat Finland 4 to 2 in the gold That's medal right. game. And nobody talks about them. You know, <laughs> sorry Finland, but I'm giving you props right now. <laughs> They had to beat Finland to get to Russia, didn't they? They had to beat Russia to get to Finland. Finland was uh, in the finals. You know, it's the worst place to be, especially in this situation, because nobody even remembers them coming in second place. Isn't that funny how you accomplished all that and it didn't amount to much? I mean, in people's minds. Nobody remembers that. You're a footnote. You know, this is one of those things, obviously, it's uh, David and Goliath here. I think the Soviet Union at the time had won, like, the past four Olympic gold medals in hockey up That's until right. this point. Uh, so it was a huge deal. You know, you had a bunch of ragtag amateur kids in 1980 who beat this dominant Russian squad. So that's my first pick, March 1st, 1981, Miracle on Ice. And then the second pick. Now, I'm going to take a little bit of liberties like Mark did on his last pick when right. uh, he won that round because I, I noticed right. that with, with the football players. <laughs> I noticed that. Uh, All right, so this one... May 15th, 1981, NBC put something on television that nobody asked for. Uh, This actually sounds like something that would happen in 2019 with all these crazy reboots and reunion shows. Gilligan's Island ended in 1967. So in 1981, they decided to bring them back for a final appearance together with the Harlem Globetrotters on Gilligan's Island. Here's the thing. I, really? I've never I've never seen this and I'm not sure I like I'm sure it's not good. Matter of fact, I couldn't even find the ratings for this one, which is impossible. I went through every newspaper, could not find it. The sad thing is, is it's not even the best TV appearance from the Harlem no, Globetrotters. Oh, no, it's awful. Oh my god. <laughs> so clearly no one was watching this. But it's wow. important for another reason. And this is where I'm gonna stretch this a little bit, but Go it ahead. makes a lot of sense. And it makes this pile of crap into a great pick. NBC had been like a ratings landfill for a few years leading up to 1981. You had like Sheriff Lobo on there, which is the BJ and the bear spinoff. Like Mm -hmm. you needed that. You had Harper Valley PTA, which is a show based on a country song from 1968. And then Mm -hmm. in May, you have the Harlem Globetrotters with Gilligan's Island. And <laughs> at that point, the fate was sealed for Fred Silverman, who was the head of NBC. I remember that. They axed Fred Silverman and they hire Grant Tinkler in June. Mm-hmm. So not even a month later, they hire Grant Tinkler. Grant Tinkler was the guy behind Hill Street Blues, Lou Grant, the Mary wow. Tyler Moore show, who actually real I think was his wife at the time. Yeah, real shows. So yeah. this is where it, it becomes big because Tinkler took over NBC and turn the ship around. He brought in the Cosby show, Family Ties, Golden Girls, Cheers, Night Court. So every time, Mark, you watch a Cheers rerun, I want you to always think about the Harlem Globetrotters on Gilligan's <laughs> Island. Because that's so why. Let me get, so let me get this straight, guys. So you're telling me Tinkler, who has this tremendous brain for TV, obviously, right? He brings in Cheers. He brings in Hill Street Blues. He brings in all these amazing shows. And the, what got him to it, his idea was, let's get Gilligan's Island and the Harlem Globetrotters together. Not him. That was Fred Silverman's idea. So that got, that got Fred fired. 
Yeah, pretty much. I mean, that was like the final straw because the, the okay. ratings must have been okay. so oh, shit. Oh. It was not even in the list. Okay. Wow. It, I am sorry. I know you got you got a great HBO reference there. And HBO, you know, is still a very important part of our lives. And when we were talking, I didn't even think that HBO was around by then. But I, obviously they were. But Tinkler, I got to go with Tinkler. And I got to go with getting... Uh, Silverman fired because wow. there's nothing worse than seeing a reunion like all these shows. What's it, What's that show? Uh, the gay show right now that they, they all got back together. Oh, Will and Grace. Uh, Will and Grace. I hate those shows. Okay. I can't stand them because yeah. those people, the shows were maybe great back in the day, but they suck now. Okay. It's like we're old people trying to do what we did. But here we go again. I'm going to go with Tinkler getting the job and putting some goddamn something to watch on. Thank you, Mark. <laughs> All right, Man Crush. You win this round. Take the lead two to one, heading into our first two-point round. What category are you going to take, man? Uh, Two-point rounds. I'm going to start off with movies because you guys pretty much already know where I'm going to go with my first movie because I already mentioned it. Okay. Uh, October 9th, 1981. Kind of sad to say, because I probably haven't seen this movie in 10 years, although I have it on my list for next month, but like we had this horror watch list going on for our listeners and everything. So pretty much all of October was dedicated to Halloween type movies to the season. You know? Okay. Anyways, sports movies. And this is an ongoing thing. What a niche for 1981. Let me tell you, it's not a movie about boxing. It's not a movie about football. It's not a movie about soccer. We got a movie about running. And not just about any running, Olympic running. So you know this is going to be an instant classic. Uh, true story about two English runners competing in the 1924 Olympics. Okay. Uh, it ended up, it won four Academy Awards, including Best Picture of 1981. It was really? nominated for three others. Yeah, surprisingly. Uh, the wow. movie pulled in $59 million worldwide, which is roughly $167 million in 2019. So that's really good for a movie that won an Oscar because usually they, they don't make shit. Why am I not knowing this movie yet? <laughs> you should know it. I just told you before. The movie's Chariots of Fire. It's, uh, it's oh, going oh, it back is Chariots of Fire. <laughs> In all seriousness, it is a pretty damn solid movie. I'm usually pretty yeah. iffy no, it was a great when it comes movie. to timepieces. It was pieces. a great movie. It was. Oh, it's, it's fantastic. It's unique because not only are the two main characters fighting the odds, but it's also it's a post-war movie where England just suffered like terrible carnage in the Great War. Sure, it sure. wiped out like an entire generation of young men. So these guys, the two guys that are in this, they have like all this stuff going on and they're basically like the best of what's left over, you know, going to the wow. Olympics and they end up winning the gold. Spoiler. Oh, you ruined it for me, man. <laughs> no, it's okay. For some reason, I thought it was a war picture, but you're right. It's about the Olympics. I remember a little bit now. Yeah, you do see. I I think there's the, there's a lot of talk about the war leaning up the Great War and all that stuff because yeah. 1924. And you got me wanting to see it again. I'll tell you that much for sure. I was, you know, you know what? I would have saw it if it was on Prime or Netflix, but it wasn't, and I don't own it in my collection, so I'm gonna have to like rent it from somewhere. But sure, definitely on the list. It's a good one. Okay. All right. The okay. second movie, July 31st, 1981. Once again, it's another timepiece for 1981 sports movies. And again, it's not the biggest sport in America, but it's the biggest sport in the rest of the world. It's a movie about soccer. Oh, wow. I just watched this one last night because I'd never seen it, and I wanted to know what the hell I was talking about. And aside from this being a sports movie, it also stars Sylvester Stallone, 
in his first real ensemble cast. Of course, if you don't count like the party of Kitty and Studs, right? The porno, but, <laughs> but, uh, but it's kind of weird seeing him almost like in a supporting role. Yeah, but he was also honestly, he was also he was also in a movie, a Woody Allen movie. He plays the thief, and he where he he mugs somebody. He's the mugger in a Woody uh, Allen movie. I think it's Annie uh, Hall, but I'm not positive. I think it might be. Yeah, I was just gonna say like. I've never seen him in another ensemble cast, so if it existed, I had never seen it. No, but. it's a bit. It's a bit. He comes in, he jumps over a wall, he steals this woman's pocketbook and jumps back over a wall. But it's him. It's definitely him. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no worries. But between this movie and Nighthawks, which is also 1981, these mm-hmm. are really the first leading roles outside of Rocky and Paradise Alley where he's not playing like the dummy character. You know, he's right. He's actually playing like a POW in this one. And the movie also co-stars Michael Caine, which is, who's fantastic. And he can't have a soccer movie without arguably the best soccer player to ever play the game, Pele. 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 Yeah, that's right. And uh, the movie Pele. I'm talking about here is Victory. Wow. I don't know if you guys have seen this. It's in a crude way. It's almost like a more dramatic and less funny version of The Longest Yard. Because huh. instead, okay. instead of a prison... These guys right. are, uh, they're in a German prisoner of war camp where like, you know, there's various members of the allied forces that are incarcerated there. Uh, Michael Caine plays like a former pro soccer player turned uh, captain, and he gets approached to put together a ragtag team of prisoners to take on the German national team. And then there's also a, an escape story and all that. Uh, but it, it made $11 million in the box office, about $32 million wow. in 2019. So that's not shabby for a sports war drama movie. That's not a niche for you. At all. Has there ever been a sports movie where it wasn't a ragtag team? Exactly. I, was, you know, <laughs> I was thinking that as I said it. <laughs> that's two in a row that I said it on because it was also Miracle on Ice. Really? Even the Bad News Bears had a ragtag team, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but those are my two, Chariots of Fire and Victory. Okay. Wow. All right. Solid picks, man. Wow. What do you got for me? All right. Sports films, 1993. We're going to go to the theaters on April 7th, 1993 Mm -hmm. to go see a movie that I'm sure everybody holds near and dear to their heart because it gave us so many wonderful things, so many great lines like, you're killing me, Smalls. And it all gave us a, uh, a crush on Wendy Peppercorn. Of course, we're going back to the summer of 1962 with The Sandlot. Good one. Yeah, just an absolute classic movie. And really a movie, it really hit that after video market. You know, it wasn't a right. movie that blew up in the movie theaters and won a bunch of Oscars. But once it was released on home video and hit television, it's an instant classic. And I really don't know anybody that can't quote several lines from this movie. So that's my first entry, The Sandlot. Okay. Now, is that is, is that a kid's movie? The Sandlot. It's kind of a kid's movie, is it not? Yeah, I think anybody could anybody would like it, though. I think it's not like, yeah, made yeah, yeah. directly for kids. Yeah. OK. And uh, my second selection uh, released October 22nd, 1993. It's the story of Rudy Rudiger in Rudy. Oh, my God. Starring Sean Astin. I mean, when you talk about sports films, Rudy and the Sandlot always pop up in the top five, with the exception of maybe Major League, my favorite two sports movies. There's really not much more I can say about Rudy. I'm sure it's a movie everybody who's listening to this program is extremely familiar with. And we've all dreamed for playing in Notre Dame. 
and we even like this movie so much, listeners of the show won't even realize this. But before we record each episode to sync up the audio tracks, we do something we call Touchdown Jesus, which is a callback to what? Rudy. Rudy. <laughs> so those are my two picks, Rudy and the Sandlot. Wow. Goddamn Charity Fires too. Is keep on walking, come in second. I want to love that movie, but it's like I, you know, and it wins an Academy Award, and it does great. But for some reason, you know, have you have a a vision of something when 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 you're talking about it, it's like I picture myself taking the SATs in high school with Charlie. Like, in a fucking prayer, you're going to do well. How can I get out of here and go play some music? And Rudy, I mean, didn't they just have a commercial like, like a couple of like a month ago? KFC. Yeah. yeah, he's now the colonel. He doesn't want to play for Notre Dame anymore. He wants to be the KFC colonel. Exactly, he wants to be the KFC colonel. Uh, as as a as a, as a uh, movie that just soaked through soaked through our society in every way, shape, or form. And I didn't even love the movie, but Rudy is Rudy, man, and you just can't get away from him. I mean, I think the guy had a career on one movie, didn't he? I'm going to go with Rudy. All right, man crush. You know what that means. It's three to two. I have the lead. We're going into the final round. That's right. I, you know what? I totally agree with what he said when you threw out those two. I think just with Chariots of Fire, there's no legs with Chariots of Fire. I mean, it's a running movie. It's got legs, but yeah, it, it doesn't have legs to 2019. It would have been a way better movie, man, if they didn't have legs and it was a running movie. <laughs> No, so I there's agree. something about it. It's like everybody knows it, but I think they know it more because of the song than the actual movie. I don't sure. think the movie, right. you know, I think they go, oh, Chariots of Fire, because they play it all the time, you know, and, and you hear it. But as a movie, it's like, okay, I remember, I remember it did really well, but, you know, Rudy, like, every, it, it's like, oh, he Rudy did. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like part of our nomenclature, you know, it's crazy. He's got repeat watch value too. Like I think Chariots of Fire is kind of a one and done. Like yes, you I you agree. watch it, you like it, but you probably aren't going to go back and see it again for no. 10, it's 15 probably really years. interesting, you know, because it's history. I love history stuff. I do. I watch it all the time. I really like that. But I I got to go with the rude man. It's just so yeah. you know. I don't know what it is with that movie. I'm gonna. I want to watch it. I'm gonna. I'm gonna try to download it and watch it. I really want to see it there. Legally, he's so gonna you, legally download it. <laughs> can I? Can I ask you guys something? So, like for this show, are you guys like? Are you on all the time? Like when you're sitting home and stuff, it's like you're kind of always working, right? You're like, Pre- yeah, pretty much, watching. kind of, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> can I? Can I watch this? Oh, I could use this on the show. Oh, yes. of course, especially with oh, social yeah. media now, like our Facebook page and www.facebook.com forward slash right. dueling decades. I got to drop that. But if you haven't been there, you know, we have like over 30,000 people there. So like wow. we constantly have to like update that content all the time. So if I'm watching something and I find it interesting, it maybe it doesn't make it to the show, but it'll make it to our social media pages and right, our, right. our private group or something. That's insane. So, yeah, you, have, sure. you must have an assistant, though. Do you have some kind of assistant? Somebody who helps you with this? Uh, yeah, Mark and I. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> that is great. All right, finish it up with news. 
the last and final. All right, Man Crush. It's three to two. I have the lead. I've never been this close to the gold, and I can smell it. So I'm not even going to defer. I'm going first with the news round. Okay, go for it. All right, so we're going to go first right to the newspapers. The Kokomo Tribune from Kokomo, Indiana, dated July 22nd, 1993. And when I think about sports in 93, I remember what I was watching, and that was the NBA. I was watching a lot of basketball because my favorite basketball player at the time was the hottest player in the NBA. No, we're not talking about Michael Jordan. We're talking about Shaquille O'Neal. And he was about ready to start filming a brand new movie, and it would be his on-screen debut as they started filming Blue Chips. And he would uh, star alongside his soon-to-be Orlando teammate, Anthony Penny Hardaway, uh, so, yeah, July 22nd, 93, in that summer, they started filming Blue Chips with Shaquille O'Neal. And one thing that people don't realize is when they filmed all of those basketball scenes, they filmed all of them in one day. So all of those real-life basketball players played four or five consecutive games back-to-back, wow. and they just had the cameras running. So if you watch real close, towards the end, those guys are exhausted in some of those scenes. <laughs> So that was my first news pick. And my second news pick is a little more somber. And it is a story that I remember straight out of the headlines from when I was in high school. October 20th, 1993, Disney decides that they are going to delete a scene from its brand new movie, The Program, after a teenager was killed and two others critically injured while trying to imitate one of the scenes. There was a brief sequence near the film's start that involved several drunken teenagers and college football players lying in the middle of a busy road, and, you know, they're playing chicken with the trucks. Now, I remember this when it hit the news waves when I was in high school, except I heard it, you know, second, third hand, and wow. it wasn't a truck, it was a train. But, yeah, uh, Michael Shingledecker, 18 years old, was uh, was killed in that. And the sad part about this that nobody talks about is the lady who was driving the vehicle was only 17 years old at the time. Um, so, yeah, the, Disney pulled the scene from the movie. And if you go ahead and you watch the film now, that scene is not included in the film. Mm. You can go online to view it. But, uh, yeah, the program having to pull a controversial scene now, oddly enough, the uh, the kid that died from doing this did not play football, and his friend said that he wouldn't have copied the movie. This had nothing to do with it. So uh, take it for what you will, but Disney still pulled the scene. Of course. So that's what I got, Man Crush. I can't wait to hear what you got. What you got? Bring it. All right. Like, I, I've said this a million times on the show. If you bring the sadness, <laughs> I'm just going to say that I right gotta now. I got to tell you, I was having a great time until you brought up that. <laughs> <laughs> so here we go. I'll, I'll start out light and we'll get to my big story second. I'll do that one for Robert Tepper like he was uh, talking about before. July 16th, 1981. Mm -hmm. Title of the story is many new home video titles set for release. Doesn't sound very exciting, but let me get into it to make a long story short on this one. The home video market, like I mentioned before, is hitting its stride in 1981. All these companies were clamoring for old titles to release on video in order to sell the general public, get it out to the video stores, and of course, the rental market. And I'm sure Mark went through this too. Trying to find sports movies news. I think this was probably the most difficult one. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Literally like looking for a needle in a haystack, flipping every single page of a newspaper till you found something. But then lo and behold, I found this article. 
I started looking through the mentioned movie titles. Lo and behold, in the article, one of the movies that's coming out is 1974s, and I mentioned it before, Burt Reynolds' classic, The Longest Yard. Thank you, Paramount, for actually giving me a second story to the bring to the table on this one. But let me get to my first story. All right, here we go. Actually, this is my second story, but it's the better of the two. May 7th, 1981. The article is titled, Stallone Goes Another Round with Rocky Three. Wow. Why is it important for sports movies? Because up until this point, Stallone had said that Rocky Two would be the last movie of the Rocky series. So this is pretty simple here, Robert. Had he stuck to his guns, there would have been no Rocky Four. <laughs> <laughs> that might have led you down a completely different road. breaking up. My computer just stopped. <laughs> My electricity just went out. Pandering. Pandering to the judge. <laughs> you might have been doing music for his other 1985 film, uh, First Blood Part Two, which First might not blood, have been bad. No. That was his brother, right? Didn't his brother get to put a song in that one? Uh, he, I think he did. I think he did. Yeah, actually, his brother's wanna... not a bad singer at all. No, he's, he's okay. His brother's actually pretty good. But let's not forget, this also would have meant there would have been wow. no Rocky Three, no Rocky Four, no Rocky Five, no Rocky Balboa, and possibly no Creed or Creed Two. Could you imagine a world without any of that franchise existing? No, absolutely not. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely not. <laughs> Especially in your case. There, like This article is talking about how he changed his mind and decided to do Rocky Three and how they were going to get begin filming later on in that month and, and yada, yada, yada. It goes on and on and on. But the whole premise of this article is he wasn't going to do it, and now he is. So now oh you have Rocky gosh. Three. And there you are. There are my two stories. So my choices are some dumb fuck lying down <laughs> in a road, fucking drunk and getting hit by a fucking truck and getting run over by his body parts and Nazi Disney saying, oh, we can't show that. Maybe if they showed the movie, the kid wouldn't have lied down in the fucking street, baby. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I watched that Disney. I have, like I said, I have young kids and they are poisoning America, man. Them and Facebook, I can't stand. I'm kidding. You know, it's like Disney is such a, an empire. And the fact that they oh, yanked yeah. that scene because of that just pisses me off to no end. You know, it's like, you know, uh, I'm sorry. We're going to take the part out where Moses parts the Red Sea because we got really <laughs> bad feedback. <laughs> Yeah, we're going to go back and re-edit Ben-Hur because uh, some of those horses get injured at the end. So. <laughs> Where they're playing with the lambs, you know, and they're spending the night. Right. Go with that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, or do, or do I pick? Well, first of all, let's not just jump over Burt Reynolds. Come on, that was a great-ass movie. That was oh, a yeah. kick-ass movie. And, it, and, you know, it was a great football movie. It's probably top five football movie. Absolutely. And the other one is, if I don't hook into the Rocky series, I wouldn't even exist. We wouldn't be even talking here. <laughs> this whole episode wouldn't happen. That goes to show you how powerful Hollywood is. One bad decision by him and I don't exist. Well, I can say that for my parents, too. One bad decision by them and I wouldn't exist. <laughs> That's but, true. Or any of us. <laughs> any of us. So I got to give it to you, man. I got to give it to you. Right? Like, should we do Rocky 3 and 4? I think you should. And Burt Reynolds, 
I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got to go that way on this one. Sorry, man. Oh, the title slips through my hands again. <laughs> you bring the sadness. I will look up the movie with a dumb fuck lies down in the room <laughs> and gets run over. Okay, I will definitely get into that one later. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, I guess that means Man Crush keeps the title yet again. We're going to have to get someone on this show soon that can defeat the mighty Man Crush. Oh, my God. The mighty man question. You kind of handed it to him at the end, man. You had to get you had it all going on. Yeah. <laughs> I got to talk to you. You need a coach. I'll coach you. <laughs> it's such a downer of a story with the program, but it is a news story that I absolutely remember straight out yeah. of the headlines. So I wow. had to go with it. Well, man, you appeal to your depressive side, and that worked. Not really. <laughs> I like how it worked out that that's the very last story too. I wasn't planning on that being the very last story. But it worked out fantastic. It worked no, out I would have pulled that category out a long time ago, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. You guys are fun, man. You guys are fun. It's so great. Big, amazing game. Robert Tepper, thank you so much are for coming on the show and being a judge. Tell our guests and our listeners where they can go to purchase your album and to hear your music. Okay, first of all, I was made aware today that there's this Russian site that sells bootlegs of my new record already. It's only out two months, and they're already <laughs> fucking me. Is that fair? I don't like that. So if you really care anything about music and supporting artists and keeping creative people going, go to Amazon, go to iTunes, go to um, AOR Heaven, and there's probably a, a whole series of places that sell this on the level. And that would really just make my day. I would love that. I'm going to go, I'm going to buy one right after this. Thank you. Thank you, man. You know, uh, I appreciate it. I appreciate Dude, I it. I feel like it's I've just... known you for like 10 years. Like we... <laughs> well, because we're, we're not that different. I got to tell I'm an older version. This is what you're going to be like. In 69. <laughs> Except I, no. I suck at music, but. Like other than that, I could see it going down that path. Oh man, you guys, it's fun, man. It's fun. When's the Robert Tepper Dueling Decades theme gonna come out? Robert Tepper Dueling Decades. Interesting, interesting. If I get something that would be good for you guys, you know, oh, that would be amazing. Yeah, we've had Thank the same know. theme for like two years. It's time to freshen it up. You need a fresh theme, man. How about uh, hell yeah? Somebody's got to use better than the rest, man. Everybody's telling me it's a car commercial, and a BMW commercial would make everybody happy around here. That would be great, you know. But uh, I don't know. I got to think on it, and and I will get back to you on that. Let's see. Dueling decades. It's tough. It has kind of like a uh, the dueling. We got to get dueling. Dueling is not a great word to say. No, it's not. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know. That's why dueling banjos was an instrumental, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, you mull it over. Maybe you come up with something. That would be freaking awesome. Well, you never know. I write a lot. I do write a lot. That would be great. That would be so funny. And we should, you got to come back to judge another episode, man. That was fun. If you thought I did okay, that makes me happy. You know what? I'm sorry. I, I don't want Go him ahead. to come back to judge another episode. I want him to come back and beat Man Crush for the title. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Wow. Oh, my gosh. I'd be a regular. I'd be a recurring character. Hell, yeah. You, if, if you want to do it, man, you want to do the research, we're, we're down. <laughs> man, you guys, I really, I would love to see a behind the scenes of what it takes for you guys to put on the show. I think that would be fun. That would be really fun. Absolutely. You don't want to see how the sausage is made. <laughs> <laughs> 
hold on. I found this thing where a kid lost five fingers in 1983. <laughs> <laughs> we need to have a sad episode where it's nothing but shitty stories. You know what? You know, if you guys could pull that off, like the most, that, that is great. Man Crush, that would be hysterical, man. That would be hilarious. We do have, you know? we've had a worst of, but if we just yeah. have like a sad one. It's the Great Depression battle. Yeah. I'm just saying, this show, you can't go, you can't go to the bed. You got to stay happy with this because it's like people go, oh yeah, that was cool. You know, that's the fun part of this. I like that part. That's how we got into this. No, I had a lot of fun, guys. This, this was great. Did you did you have a little fun? I hope I did okay for you. No, nah, dude, That's you did awesome. you did awesome. fantastic. Thank you guys. Okay, fantastic. All right, gentlemen, thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. Thank Absolutely you, man. I very very much appreciate it. Thank you, brother. Okay, thank take you, care, Robert. Guys. Take care, man. Bye bye. Bye bye. All right, Duelers. Well, I guess we'll end this episode right here. Again, I want to thank our guest Robert Tepper for coming on, handing me the loss. But anyway, if you've missed an episode, you can always head over to DuelingDecades.com where you can subscribe to the show on CastBox, on Spotify, on iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. And then head over to Facebook.com forward slash DuelingDecades where you can join our private group and catch all of our other retro content. So until next time, Duelers, we're going to bid you a peace, love, light, and a joy. Have a grateful week, everybody. Infirmary Media. 